0: they can't go on. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 17th of July, 2013. I always ask newcomers to make sure that they use the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Lots of audios for free download where I go through this incredible system we're born into to show you the, the contracts that are all over the place. Really, is comprised of contracts because the public are managed from birth. Uh, right to their their death actually Uh, and they never really know what truth is and the media of course is part of it too to keep you bamboozled, it's not there to really uh, let you know what's really really going on, what's behind things or main events and so on they simply are meant to keep you uh, looking at a thousand different things at once every day, just here, there, everywhere etc and find out about the big foundations that's formed to create a parallel government a long time ago because they said they would never allow democracy to really work but they wanted to use the democracy for the masses so they'd believe in it and they'd keep voting every four or five years and of course as long as the big foundations put on their own people at the top and on all parties uh, at the head of all parties then it wouldn't matter you see they'd run it all and that's how it really is i go through the organizations involved just on the go today and they're more powerful than ever they have think tanks like you wouldn't believe thousands of them across the world All working on us, basically, how to control us, manipulate us, and so on, and bring us into this global system, which really is a kind of global plantation, you might say. So help yourself to that. Remember, too, you bring me to you. You can help me take along here, too, by getting the books and discs that I have at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. That's all I have. I don't sell products and so on, and um, I don't take money from advertisers. So uh, to keep me ticking along You can buy the books as I say From the US to Canada You can always purchase them using personal checks Or international postal money orders Or you can use PayPal or send cash Across the world Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal Straight donations are always welcome Because often that's all, some, all that really trickles in once in a while And what uh, I do cost a lot of cash Believe you me uh, and it's not a—it's not what you call a job, and it's—it's it's not even—it's beyond a vocation. Uh, most folk couldn't handle it, even for that, it would kill them. But uh, it's a kind of suicide mission, you might say, and it truly really is in many, many ways. But I had to just come out at the right time and, and start changing the whole idea of what was really happening to the public because even the Patriot stations were off, off the topics, really. It's what was really happening above them and they were all naval gazing into their own little countries. Didn't realize what was happening was across the whole world and that the plans to, to bring on this order were an awful, awful, uh, of an awful age actually, uh, very old indeed. And we're manipulated and controlled by the media, as I say, that's owned as well by the big foundation boys and their members. So there's nothing really new about it. It's just that today, of course, more folk know about it, thank goodness. And they understand not to get waylaid by the media's topics that are meant to get you going ooh and ah or, or, or happy or, or, or sad or uh, angry. That's what they make you do. But they don't give you a choice to actually do anything. That's the purpose of the media. They'll never suggest what to do about something. Unless they actually want riots or something, then they'll goad you into it. But otherwise, they're meant to keep you just ticking along and, and, and grinding your teeth, basically. Because if you notice, most of what they give you today is either trivia or it's news about abroad. It's all about what's happening in other countries far away. And you can't really relate to them. Uh, even though we're paying for all the wars across the world, but this is what's necessary to bring in a global society and the standardization of central banks, private central banks across the entire world and all under the, the under the Bank for International Settlements. Now, the BIS, and the central banks were all set up a long time ago by the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations and its members. And they planned it. They wrote it on their own books, they said what they'd bring in a 100 years ago. And here we are going through it all. And folk don't know. It's not taught in school. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix. And what a matrix it truly is, isn't it? Because um, everyone's looking for the truth. And, uh, it's like Pilate said, you know, is, is it, what is it, what is truth? Because uh, I guess in all ages, too, those at the top decide what version of truth the general public are going to get. And in other words, the, those, the power elite of the day decide what it's going to be. And we're conned and conned from childhood right through. That's what schools for really to con you into social engineer you as well, to be uh, the, the updated type of citizen for the next round uh, of changes and so on. And you'll all think that these changes are all quite natural. You don't realize you're, you're simply following an agenda. Uh, written out a long time ago and planned a long time ago by uh, certain political organizations uh, but, but generally don 't run for politics but um, here 's an article here to, to show you the spin that 's put on things as well it 's all done by perception perception management. Uh, and this from Britain, and remember in Britain they call the politicians ministers and also some of the top bureaucrats as well. But it says ministers try to twist the truth over plans to block online pornography so that David Cameron, the prime minister, can declare victory on the issue. So so they, it says the ministers have secretly urged internet giants to pretend they're blocking online porn. So that David Cameron can declare the victory on the issue. A letter leaked from the Department for Education asked the main internet service providers to rebrand their anti-porn filters as being default on, giving the impression that adult material is automatically blocked when it's not. The letter from a, an official at the Department of Education and, and leaked by industry insiders tells providers without changing what you'll be offering, the Prime Minister would like to be able to refer to your solutions as default on. Would you be able to commit to include default on or similar language? This is a question from the Prime Minister, both in the setup screen and public messaging. The extraordinary demands appears to encourage internet firms to exaggerate the level of protection they're giving families. The shadow culture minister Helen Goodman condemned the move and warned it could lead to parents to assume wrongly that their children were protected from online pornography. She said it's disgraceful that instead of trying to get the ISPs to switch their filters to default on position, they're trying to persuade them to just say that they're doing it, she said. It's a deliberate attempt to mislead parents, and it's dangerous because it means that people won't be taking the precautions they need to be taking. If people think filters are switched on, when they're not, there's obviously a risk that they won't. Be on their guard in the way that they should be. Uh, and the giants have successfully lobbied ministers against campaigns seeking an automatic block on website filth, this is. So instead of changing it or putting a block on, uh, they disagree to pretend there's a block on. And that's how they con the general public. This is from the Prime Minister at the top, remember? And perception management, you see. And fraud, really. But that's how we're run on every topic. I mean, you understand at the top they actually talk about us like children. That's how they refer to us. They have other names too than wash masses and so on. But they, they refer to the general population who, who are dumbed down, and they know they're dumbed down at the top, and they know what, how they've been dumbed down, and uh, and they they, they see that they're children. They don't understand things. And so they give them noble lies all the time. Noble lies are meaning uh, we can't explain how important this lie, this lie is uh, for, for the common good. They've got to accept it. So, so rather than explain it to them, they just lie to you. And this is common across the board in all countries today, because they all use the same uh, masters of perception management. Uh, so does the media and, uh, and marketing and so on and so on and so on. It's all part of a form, a form of propaganda. So anyway, that's how they do it, too. So uh, he's in that article, too, about, about how governments really uh, operate. And unfortunately, young people, it's strange when you're young, because when you're young and you're, say you're 19 or 20, you think you're immortal. You're, you're never going to age, obviously. It's, it's just not going to happen. I think everyone thinks that. They really believe it. And it happens every generation. It's always the same. And, of course, uh, they eventually do age, etc., but uh, at the time they can't imagine aging at all. They, they see themselves as a separate species, almost, from people who are older. And because of that, too, they're stuck in their generation, they only mix with their own peer group, etc., as they go through their, own, through their life. Uh, each generation is separate from the other. That was all part of the communist uh, manifesto, too, that, that they would uh, separate the generations so that younger folk will never talk to the elder. They would look upon the elder as being stupid, etc., old-fashioned the stupid ideas, antiquated ideas, and that way knowledge could not be passed on to them because they wouldn't listen. But also, too, Again, get this article here that I'm about to read here. It shows you, too, what governments have always been up to. Now, we know there's been a lot of experimentation on different populations with vaccinations. It's not just experimentation. I think it's, uh, these experiments were done a long time ago, and we're in a full-fledged uh, implementation of them all through mass vaccinations of all kinds. Everyone's got a, a, a compromised immune system. Today it's taught in medical school. Today it's quite normal. Uh, Twenty years ago it was not taught in medical school that it was normal. There'd be something wrong they have to find out why. But today it's all normal, just like everyone's going to get cancers taught in medical school, and they believe that's normal too. They don't question why. So here's an article about how they've used different peoples. Now here's one about the, the, the American uh, and Canadian Native Indians. It says, it says hungry uh, Aboriginal people are used in bureaucrats' experiments. A uh, Food Historian published details of nutritional experiments that began in the 1940s. And it says that the Korean government says it's appalled to hear, that's appalled, they didn't know, right? Dear hungry Aboriginal children and adults may have been used as unwitting subjects in nutritional experiments by federal bureaucrats. Recently published research by food historian Ian Mosby has revealed details about one of the least known, but perhaps most disturbing aspects of government policy towards Aboriginal people immediately after the Second World War. It says it was experiments being conducted on malnourished Aboriginal people, he says. Mosby's a post-doctoral fellow in history at the University of Guelph and told the CBC as it happens uh, his story. It says, it started with research trips in northern Manitoba where they found widespread hunger, if not starvation, among certain members of the community. Now, you remember too that all the British Commonwealth countries at that time were on rationing, even after the war. And rationing cards were still handed out until 1951, I think. And it said here, it says, so these folk were getting malnourished and so on. It says, and one of their immediate responses was to design a controlled experiment on the effectiveness of vitamin supplementation on the population. Mosby also found that plans were developed for research on Aboriginal children in residential schools in British Columbia, Ontario, Nova Scotia, and Alberta. It says, if this story is true, then it's abhorrent and completely unacceptable. A Spokesman for the Aboriginal Affairs Minister, Bernard Valcourt, stated in an email late Tuesday, says when Prime Minister Stephen Harper made a historic apology to former students of Indian residential schools in 2008 on behalf of all Canadians, he recognised that this period had caused great harm and had no place in Canada. But they can always say that after the facts, you know. It says that the, the spokesperson added that the federal government remains committed to a fair and lasting resolution to the legacy of the Indian residential schools. It says, But Mosby, who does an investigation into malnutrition and so on, whose work at the University of Guelph focused on the history of food in Canada, was researching the development of health policy when he ran across something strange. He found vague references to studies conducted on Indians that piqued his interest and seemed potentially problematic, to say the least. So he went on a search to find out what was going on. Government documents eventually revealed a long-standing government-run experiment that came to span the entire country and involved at least 1,300 aboriginals, most of them children. It began with a 1942 visit by government researchers to a number of remote reserve communities in northern Manitoba, including places such as the Pass and Norway House. They found people who were hungry, beggared by a combination of the collapse of the fur trade and declining government support, also found a demoralized population marked by, in the words of researchers, shiftlessness, indolence, improvidence and inertia. The researchers suggested these problems, so long regarded as inherent or hereditary traits in the Indian race, were in fact the results of malnutrition. Instead of recommending an increase in support, the researchers decided that isolated, dependent, hungry people would be ideal subjects for tests on the effects of different diets. It is a period of scientific uncertainty uh, around nutrition, said Mosby, vitamins and minerals had really only been discovered during the interwar period. In the 1940s, there were a lot of questions about the, what uh, human requirements or vitamins were. So they began in 1942 on 300 Norway house Cree Indians of that group. 125 were selected to receive vitamin su- supplements which were re- withheld from the rest. At the time, researchers just calculated, local people were living on less than 100, 1,500 calories a day. Normal healthy adults generally require at least 2,000 the research team was well aware that these vitamin supplements only addressed a small part of the problem, because you need proteins and all the rest of it too, right? Mosby writes, so the experiment seems to have been driven, at least in part, by the nutrition experts' desire to test their theories in a ready-made laboratory populated with already malnourished human experimental subjects. So it spread across the country, etc., etc., and names all the different places and, and so on and even deliberately held milk rations for two years to less than half the recommended amount to get a baseline reading for when the allowance was increased. In another, children were divided into one group that received uh, vitamin, iron and iodine supplements and one that didn't. One school depressed levels of vitamin B1 to create another baseline before levels were boosted, and a specially enriched flour that couldn't legally be sold anywhere in Canada under food adulteration laws was used on children at another school. And so they went on and on and on. So it's quite something when you find out that governments have always been up to these things. Remind you, too, there's done it in the States, on different communities in the States over the years. And they've done it in other countries, to Britain as well, in certain areas as well, under the National Health in the early days, too, because the public are very trusting. And when the docs and the nurses come around to them, they believe everything they're told. They question nothing. And... They're parts of experiments, of course They're part of experiment So I'll put this link up tonight too Also, the human papilloma virus vaccine is exposed As Japan health authorities withdraw recommendation to vaccinate i put this one up before And I'll put it up again Because it's a good article too And you can actually hear the ones who created the vaccine say it was no use anyway Now I hear the music coming in So I'll be back after these messages We're back cutting through the matrix and society becomes more and more degenerate, basically, which generation by generation has been doing for a long time. Uh, You expect these kind of stories to come up where where there's people who are into into corruption at at the top, of course, more so and more so and more so. In fact, Carl Quigley talked about this. He, He said that eventually... The, the, the rising middle classes would, would cause a havoc as they got into uh, the, the high banking positions and, uh, and various positions, high positions, because uh, because of their sudden access to a world they hadn't had before, and the greed factor would take over. And also, too, he said that um, this would be noticed by the public, but they themselves would, would pretty well accept it because they would become corrupt as well. You see, our, our people only stand as much corruption as they corrupt themselves, as you tolerate, you see, yourself. So. Uh, and, and many folk at the bottom Says, well, if I was there, I'd do the same thing. I've heard them say this myself. And that's the, the, the new moral relativity. There's no right and wrong anymore. It's just, well, if you can get away with it, try it. But he's an article here, too. And it's, it's strange that i have read articles before about fraud chiefs, you know, chiefs in, in charge of fraud departments getting arrested. I think one was in France a while back. And uh, uh, and he's one in, in, in England, but it's not a arrest, of course. So we'll get off of it, I'm sure. But it says that the fraud chief claimed £100,000 in expenses for commuting to London from the Lake District. Very nice area, the Lake District, very posh houses. And it says taxpayers paid nearly $100,000 so she could commute. And the former CEO of the serious fraud office stayed in a hotel three days a week. Uh, the SFO paid £98,946 For her to travel down from the Lake District And they also allowed her to work at home I guess she was probably doing both, eh? Working at home and claiming her travel expenses And described the SFO as a case study On how not to run a public body So it says um, Tax was paid her hotel bills of nearly 100000 So the CEO of a fraud and corruption watchdog Could commute to London from the Lake District Philippa Williamson now former Chief Executive Officer of the Serious Fraud Office, was also given an irregular £407,000 pension top-up that did not go through the proper approval process. It's just astonishing how they helped themselves once in, eh? The report, which described the SAFO as a case study on how not to run up the body, found that Ms. Williamson was allowed to work from home in the picturesque Lake District. The SFO paid 98946 for her to travel down and stay in London Hotel for three days a week between 2008 and 2012. Members of Parliament and the Public Accounts Committee, which produced the report, have condemned the astounding working conditions afforded staff at the body. Three senior staff taking voluntary redundancy were offered severance packages worth £1 million without the required approval being sought from the Cabinet Office or the Treasury. They just helped themselves. Ms. Williamson received a total of £464,905. The Chief Capability Officer, Christian Bales, was handed £437,167. And the Head of Technology, Ian McCall, received £49,885. The decisions on payouts and redundancies were made by the former Director and Accounting Officer, Richard Alderman. He retired April last year, four days after Ms. Williamson left the SFO. He's accused of showing a disregard for the proper use of taxpayers' money. Well, don't they all? Don't they all? I mean, that's what they're all in there for in the first place—the honey pot, the big pot—that's where tax money, as you see. Richard Bacon, a Conservative MP on the committee, said the reputation of the CS Fraud Office has been undermined by a catalogue of—it was—it's not fraud when they do; it's a catalogue of errors and poor judgment. <laughs> And the morale, the morale of its staff has suffered. As there's okay, they've suffered a morale collapse, of course. So, so I guess that's all. That's all done then. The MP said of Mr. Alderman that by citing the size of severance packages and not seeking alternative placements for staff, he failed to follow due process. The committee particularly criticised golden goodbyes given the three senior staff. Uh, but what can you say? I mean, what can you say? This is just normal stuff, isn't it? Normal stuff. You can do nothing about it that's not in your hands at all. And that's how the news gives you things. It's meant to gnash your teeth and say, oh, that's terrible, as everyone's, uh, you know, scrabbling to pay their rent or their mortgages and all the rest of it, or their taxes, for that matter, so these guys can give themselves big pension handouts. Also, there's two, we, we know we're, I mean, we, we keep getting the message we've been tracked like crazy. And monitor and so on. So this new tracking software knows exactly where you'll be on a precise time and date years into the future, even if you don't. The program called FarOut tracks people using GPS to learn the routine. It then makes predictions about where that person will be in future years. FarOut can react to changes in jobs, relationships, and moving house. The results are highly accurate and can plot vacations or locations to that to date. It says. And it says um. It then uses the information to actually guess the future locations and will uh, adapt its predictions even if someone changes where they are, residences or relationships to, or moves the house. And it says, um, under GPS systems carried by volunteers and fitted to the transport, they use on a daily basis. The researchers were able to plot around 150 million location points. Furthermore, over 32,000 days' worth of precise GPS data was collected. The information was fed into the Far Out software, which uses an algorithm to predict where a person will be in the future based on where they've been in the past. It does this by accurately learning a person's routine. It also gets, they also know all the people that you chat to too. And it's got all the data about their their birthdays and so on, uh, and birthday parties, and do you attend them or not. If you do, you'll be that person's, but you know, it's quite simple. They have all, they know you completely, folks. Back with more after this. Listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the Matrix, and tonight too, I'll put up a link to a YouTube small as a short video. It's called How Not to Defend Atheism. And it's a crazy guy. He goes nuts uh, in a a, a street, uh, it's not a street actually, it's a university, I think, uh, corner. And he goes nuts at some, some Christians with posters. And I guess every group's got their hatred in them, instilled institutional. And you'll hear it come out of this guy's mouth, believe you me. It's worth listening to, to see what he says. Because it's coming from a certain segment, and he's obviously been indoctrinated into it too. But he's either manic or a bit schizophrenic as well, and very hostile. Very hostile. It's just on the verge of uh, attack. You know, so it's quite an interesting little video. I'll put it up to let you show how every group's got their their problems. And also tonight too, uh, I mentioned last night the Australia banks uh, are going to be, all set up for bail-ins. So are the uh, New Zealand banks as well. And I'll put up another link tonight to go back a bit further, talking about Australian banks welcome the Cyprus-style bail-in plan. They welcome the plan to rob the public of their deposits. Because, uh, that actually was published in Australia too, from the Australian Financial Markets Association. So they welcomed it. So now they can go on this plunder us legally now, of course. You know. And, uh, before it was kind of morally wrong, I guess it was still legal because there was no law against it. But, uh, now it's quite legal to do it, so they'll all be at it shortly. And also blood money is the UK's £12.3 billion arms sales to repressive states. I'll put that up too. Uh, under all the guise of, uh, of gesticulating uh, politicians waving their hands at certain countries and they're shaking their fists. They do deals with a lot of them too To sell big uh, shipments of arms and sales and so on Because it's a big, big business, always has been And of course the politicians still Get money when they run for office From all types of corporations Including the arms industry, big time So I'll put this one up tonight too To see what countries are giving them to And this is an interesting one as well Groundbreaking new study links GMO to leukemia When will Monsanto stop lying to us? It is. And it's quite a good article to do with a recent study to do with uh, leukemia is now becoming prevalent uh, and so on and so on. And some of them were done with uh, various animals, etc. What happens to the animals? The mammals happens to us as well, obviously. But it says they're uh, recently published in the Journal of Haematology and Thromboembolic disease, Diseases. The study underscores the potential leukemogenic properties of the Bt the B- toxin biopestides used in almost all GM foods that are currently planted on more than 3.9 million acres of crops in the US and and Canada too. Many of these crops are shipped to other countries who have not yet banned GM foods from their imports so the prevalence of their use in the US soil affects the whole planet. A few months ago, references to GMO were made by scientists in France who conducted a study that pinpointed Monsanto's genetically engineered corn called NK603. As a major cancer-causing agent, rats developed cancerous tumors the size of ping-pong balls. And the study was called into question, however, by academics under Monsanto's reign. That's what they always do. They pull on their own paid-for, very well-highly-paid uh, mouthpieces called scientists. So Now the study states that the biopesticides engineered into crops like corn, soy, sugarcane, etc., carry what's known as bacillus thuringiensis. This is also called cryotoxins, which contribute to all sorts of health problems, including blood abnormalities, uh, hematological uh, malignancies as cancers like leukemia, suppression of bone marrow proliferation, and abnormal lymphocyte patterns. This is furthermore, B-T toxins used in prevalent GMOs can target mammalian cells, particularly of the ethroid lineage, red blood cells, which results in damage to the cells that is significant enough to start as anemia and end up as cancer. Also, cryotoxins were found to be capable of exerting their, their damaging effects even with suspended in distilled water and did not require alkalization uh, through an insect's physiological form to, to become activated. Put simply, this means that while cryotoxins may have been developed to kill bugs, they kill us as well. Uh, it says, how can these studies keep being denied? Scientist Michael Spector recently gave a profound TED Talk speech about the danger of scientists denying the problem with GMO food. Another scientist, Dr. Terry Vrain, also gives a TED Talks lecture on the true damage that GMOs can do, even though they were once looked to as a positive, viable option to increase world food supply. Monsanto-funded studies have continued to spew so-called science about the benign nature of the GMOs, and when will this corporation stop lying to the masses? Well, why should they? That's their—that's what they're there for. But the thing is, um, the links to the, the two speeches by Dr. Terry Vrain and, and Michael Spector are on the site too, so you can watch that as you go through their talk about GMO and what it's doing to people too. That's quite a good article. And of course it is too. I mean, you understand if people have been eating the same foods for millions of years, you can't suddenly go into this new form of genetically engineered stuff stuff that didn't exist on the planet before in this, this present form, this new form. And it produces its own pesticides too. And it gets soaked with the most ferocious of pesticides as well. And the the, the the plant soaks the stuff up, it comes up in, it, in its cells, it sucks it up out the ground. And then you eat them. That's only really common sense. Now, the whole problem we've heard about with Japan and China rattling their sabres has to do with uh, oil, basically, and gas. Energy, in other words. These are resource wars that are going on. And it says Japan's Prime Minister renewed his claim on the disputed islands and it says, and, uh, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe made their remarks in Ishigaki, an island about 150 kilometers south of the Japanese controlled islands called Senkaku, which China also claims and calls Dayeo. Abe is known as the, uh, for his hawkish security policy and nationalist remarks, comments that have hurt Japan's relations with Asian neighbours. But, uh, they've gone about, uh, the provocation and so on, but it's really to do with, with, I say, with resources. Resor- Japan especially needs Resources, that's really started to say, go out and, and bring on. to brought in World War II, basically, because they had to bring in imports from other places, and they were creating an empire to do so. And especially when they were basically cut off from getting a lot of imports by the US at the time, because FDR wanted a war. So I'll put this link up tonight too. another one from China. It's the same kind of article, basically, China to send in surveyors to dispute uh, Senkaku Islands because, again, they want to check for oil and gas and various other things, for, for resources, basically. That's what it's about. And these are the days of resource wars and plunder, too. That's the way we do it in the West. We just go over to the Middle East and different countries and plunder away. It says, mind you, it's not for us, of course. It's for the big corporations that, that don't even bring the stuff back home and they sell it all across the world. We just pay for the armies and so on and the infrastructure to build, uh, destroyed oil fields. This is, um, and then China's in a five billion dollar drive to develop disputed East, East China Sea gas. That also ties in with this, this too. And also, and Britain too, and other countries in Europe, they've the highest unemployment rate they've had, I think, for goodness, maybe since the war, World War Two, who knows? But the fact is, uh, this great European Soviet system that was going to give jobs to everybody, guaranteed them, we'd, we'd all be walking around with Roman togas by now, actually. And look, that's how they sold it a long, long time ago, you know. And um, there'd be so many jobs to choose from, yada yada yada, would all have a great standard of living and so on and so on. Uh, And here you are, it's back to the 90s, number of of people out of work for more than a year, it's the highest level since 1996, it's probably actually much bigger than they say, Uh, it says 915,000 people have not had a job for at least one year, a 17 year high. Total jobless numbers falls by uh, 57,000 to 2.51 million, lowest since the autumn. Unions demand help for those facing misery of long-term unemployment. And David Cameron says they're encouraging signs of jobs growth. This is the same guy that told the porno industry a lie to the public. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. So uh, it says here, uh, long-term unemployment hits 915,000 in June, marking a return to levels last seen in 1996. The revelation overshadowed figures showing that the total jobless number fell by fifty seven thousand in the quarter to May. And um, unions were in the misery. Most of the economic figures from the Office for National Statistics are positive. I think they just fudge the statistics, don't they? With more people finding jobs and more vacancies. Now most folk over there in Britain have about three or four jobs on the go. They have no full time jobs, most of them. The number of people claiming job seekers' allowance also fell to 1.478 million, the lowest since March. But just over 460,000 people have been jobless for more than two years, the highest figure since 1997. Well, you see, that began a long time ago because Maggie Thatcher said it too. She said "Um, there's a generation growing up, she said at the time, who will never see work in their lifetime. And she said, get used to it. Send under her version of the economy, the new economy We let the market run itself, basically, and it was unregulated We know where it ended up, the banks uh, stole everything and then collapsed themselves And we bailed them out But the whole idea is, to, is for the corporations to really succeed They did to drive down wages, because in times of mass unemployment They can pick and choose, people will accept even below minimum pays And that was the idea. Whereas if more folk are employed, it's harder to get employees and they have to start competing and offer them more money. Uh, This uh, this is the whole idea of this crazy economic system. And also this one too. Think dementia is an issue reserved only for the older generation. Think again. According to new research, your smartphone, laptop and spanking new iPads could be contributing to a new form of the disorder aptly named digital dementia. Doctors from South Korea found that youngsters who rely on technology suffer deterioration in cognitive abilities, most commonly seen in patients who've suffered a head injury or psychiatric illness. What's more, experts have revealed that teenagers have become so reliant on digital technology they're no longer able to remember everyday details, such as their phone numbers. Overuse of smartphones and game device hampers the balanced development of the brain, says byung Gaiwon, won director of the Balanced Brain Center in Seoul. Heavy users are likely to develop the left side of their brains, leaving the right side untapped or underdeveloped. According to the findings, they come after the US study published earlier this year found that young people were increasingly suffering memory problems with 14% of people aged between 18 and 39 complaining their memory was poor. So there you go. It had to happen, though, I guess. You know, it had to happen. If you can't think for yourself anymore. And also, uh, this article is awfully interesting because his economists caution, prepare for massive wealth destruction. Well, I'm not sure, I'm no doubt at all with all this uh, bailouts mandated by the, the Bank for International Settlements uh, and uh, distributed the, the banks across the world, all the countries. Uh, and the, every government had to sign it, the G20 all signed it into law for all other countries uh, that it's coming. And uh, it's probably meant to happen, you see this says, says, that's exactly what many well-respected economists, billionaires, and noted authors are telling you to do. This is protect your wealth now. Experts such as Mark Faber, Peter Schiff, Donald Trump, Robert weidemar According to them, we're on the verge of another recession, and this one will be far worse than what we experienced during the last financial crisis. Mark Faber, the noted Swiss economist and investor's voiced his concerns for the U.S. economy numerous times during recent media appearances, stating, I think somewhere down the line we'll have a massive wealth destruction. I would say that that well-to-do people may lose up to 50% of their total wealth. When he was asked what sort of odds he put on global recession happening, the economist, famous for his ominous predictions, quickly answered 100%. He points out that this bleak outlook stems directly from Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke's policy decisions, and the continuing printing of new money, referred to as quantitative easing in the media, which we used to refer to always as inflation, just inflation, just printing money. The more money they put in, the less it's worth. Faber's pessimism is matched by well-respected economist investor, Peter Schiff, the CEO of Euro-Pacific Capital. Schiff remarks that the stock market collapse we experienced in 2008 wasn't the real crash. It says the real crash is coming. He didn't stop this. His most alarming is his belief that daily life will get dramatically worse for US citizens. If we keep doing this policy of stimulus and growing government, it's just going to get worse for the average American. The standard of living is going to fall. People who are spending, expecting social security can't get all that money. People expecting government pensions can't get all their money. We simply can't afford to pay them. And it's true there's a massive welfare system too. The biggest welfare system is government itself. It is equally critical of the government, uh, the current government and the nation's economy is real estate, mogul and entrepreneur. Donald Trump who's warning that the U.S. could soon become a large scale of Spain or Greece, teetering on the edge of financial ruin. He doesn't hesitate to point out America's unhealthy dependence on China. He says, when you're not rich, you have to go out and borrow money. We are borrowing from from the Chinese and others, he says. He says, it's a massive debt that worries Trump the most. We're going up to $16 in debt very soon. That's with compound interest. That's not factored into it. And it's going to be a lot higher than that before he gets finished. This is referring to President Barack Obama, when you have debt in the 21 to 22 trillion range, you're talking about a credit downgrade, no matter how you cut it. And this is recent appearance, Trump went so far as to say the dollar is going to hell. With Donald Trump favor and shift, see rising debt, a falling dollar and a plunging stock market investment advisor and author Robert Weidemar, sees much more widespread economic destruction. In a recent interview to talk about his New York Times bestseller Aftershock, Weidmar says the data has cleared 50% unemployment, a 90% stock market drop and a 100% annual inflation starting in 2013. Before we dismiss Weidmar's claims as impossible or unrealistic, consider this in 2006. Weidmar and a team of economists accurately predicted the collapse of the US housing market, the equity markets and consumer spending that almost sank the US. They published a research in the book called America's Bubble Economy. When the interview host questioned Whitemar's latest data, the author unapologetically displayed shocking charts blacking up his allegations and then ended his argument with, you see, the medicine will become the poison. The interview has become a wake-up call for those unprepared or unwilling to acknowledge an ugly truth that the country's financial rest devised in Washington has failed miserably. The blame lies squarely on those whose job it was to avoid the exact situation we find ourselves in, including Bernanke and former Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan, tasked with preventing financial meltdowns and keeping the nation's economy strong through monetary and credit policies. At one point, Weidmar even calls out Bernanke saying that his money from heaven will be the path to hell. But it's not just the grim predictions that are causing the sensation in Weidmar's video interview, rather it's his comprehensive blueprint for economic survival that's really commanding global attention. He offers a realistic step-by-step solution with the average hardworking American, which they actually follow themselves. But I, I guess too, you'd have to take any money you do have in the bank out. I don't care how much it is, even if it's not a lot, because they're going to grab at all. I think I really do think that. When you read through uh, this uh, bailiffs' policies that are written into law, uh, it's so diffuse and, and wide as far as interpretations go that they can literally plunder the whole lot. And I'm oh sure they they'll do that in certain countries. Some countries have already allowed that to uh, that will happen. They can plunder your lot, including New Zealand. So. I'll put this link up tonight too for those who want to go through it. And also this one here. This is the EU, European Union, big New Soviet, grants for green groups push up the energy bills. Families fund lobbyists whose campaigns lead to higher taxes. Well, of course they do. That's a big plan, isn't it? Always was. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix now. We know we have to go into austerity, that's a big, big plan, post consumer society and so on, uh, and we're really going that way in full tilt. But this article ties in with that. It says, EU grants, European Union grants, and of course government grants for green gr- groups, push up your energy bills. Families fund uh, lobbyists whose campaigns lead to higher taxes. Britain alone has given £8.6 million pounds to environmental groups since 1997. Campaigners are pushing for new regulations that could lead to higher energy bills. And that's, so you give the money to to the radicals, they protest and they want higher taxes so that folk will use less energy. And the government says quite happily to them, okay, we'll we'll increase the taxes. In other words, they're an arm of government. And they get money from other governments too and the EU as well on top. It's a going concern, believe you me. So British families are knowingly providing millions of pounds to green lobbyists who campaign for higher taxes on the energy bill. Actually, uh, you've got to understand, you're, you're paying for all radicals, folks. Because under the United Nations, they said that all countries who signed on to the United Nations had to support uh, people who were out for radical change. That's for all kinds of destruction, the family unit, the whole lot. They're paid by the governments. It says, since 1997, 86 million has been handed to climate change and environmental groups by the EU, according to Taxpayers' Alliance. It claims Britain's share of funding for organisations including Friends of the Earth, the World Wildlife Fund, and Climate Action Network stands at £8.6 million pounds during that period. The TPA says many of these taxpayer-funded lobbyist campaigns for new, they lobby for new regulations that could lead to higher household energy bills. That's the plan. That's what government wants, right? The report found that 25 European-based groups have received in excess of €1 million, Euros That's £860,000 of public funds in a 15-year period Matthew Sinclair, director of the Taxpayers Alliance said the handouts result in families paying twice once for the grants so that the radicals can lobby and again in the higher energy bills when the government says "Okay, well, we'll do what you want Many of these environmental groups funded with European Commission grants do not appear to be the sort to get their hands dirty looking after endangered plants and animals he said, no, they're all on great salaries Instead, the bureaucrats in Brussels are spending our money to fund their own lobbyists to create artificial pressure for ever more onerous regulation that hurt British business and add to families' bills. Taxpayer subsidies for radical environmentalists need to end. Politicians should be looking to put in place a more affordable energy policy, rather than caving into demands from their sock puppets for ever more onerous taxes and regulations. That's how they've always been doing it, though. But you can. Go right back to the, to the, to the United Nations folks. Because I, I've met some of the groups in Canada here. And then that some of them have their own clubs and coffee shops and everything. All paid for by the government. These radical groups. And I, I said, how do you get this cash? Well, says, you can only get it for, for, being radical. And that's, it says that in, in the, in the, in the contract assigned to the government. For radical radicalization of society. And that goes for us also gay, gay groups and every other kind of group. to get this cash funding. To lobby governments So the government's paying them to get lobbied (laughs) To get all these laws through See how it works? And higher taxes for the public One group, the European Environmental Bureau Has received £10 million in public funding The TPA claim During this time they've attacked the development of shale gas Which has potential to reduce power bills And push for tougher climate targets They could see energy charges increase For the households So that's how things work folks It's all done by Perception management, and most folk don't know. They really don't know. There's a big, big agenda here, and we're going right through it. From Hamish to Frontier, Canada is good night to me. Your God of your gods go with you.